0: Log Talk Radio. <laughs>
1: everybody and welcome to your annual or weekly Tuesday night extravaganza here on Blog Talk Radio. This is BCI Radio here on BC Interruption. Pardon the BC Interruption. My name is Dan Rubin, the new guy joined by A.J. Black, who uh, I was very worried up until about 18 seconds ago that he was not going to be on the air for me or with me. A.J., don't ever do that to me again.
2: Dan, I have to apologize. My best friend had his birthday party at a restaurant. I went to the waitress. It was 7 o'clock. I said, hey, can I get a small pizza by, and I need to get out of here by 745 because the restaurant was 15 minutes away. She couldn't figure out how to split my check. She couldn't get me my check printed out. It was the longest ordeal ever, and I'm sitting here at 7.58 cramming into Google Chat trying to figure out how to, to log in. It was a story that I don't want to have to relive again, and I promise you I will never
1: do that again to you. (laughs) So,
2: Yeah, basically that.
0: (laughs)
1: Well, I am really happy that you're here because there is no way I could fill an hour and a half or or over an hour of time by myself, which at least in my defense, this is one of the first few shows that I can honestly say the words I probably wouldn't need to fill time on my own because uh, we got a full slate of guests. This is the first for us. We actually have multiple guests coming on the air to speak with us in a week that I didn't think anybody would actually want to talk to us.
2: Yeah, we've got two great guests tonight.
1: Um,
2: and I think the fans, even though if you don't want to talk about Howard, you're going to be interested to hear what they're going to have to say.
1: Yeah, and our our guests are our, on our, our esteemed, uh, our esteemed uh, panel, if you will. Um, uh, that we'll be bringing on We'll have uh, Rich Thompson From the Boston Herald um, We're going to make an attempt To uh, to get out to him And, and bring him on um, Also to be joining us uh, To be calling in Is Jeff Greenberg From SportsGlutton.com uh, I've worked with Jeff on, uh, on Mark Rogers TV. He's from North Carolina, um, in the, he writes for this website, sportsglutton.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Gberg. Uh, he, he's a great resource for today. Uh, you might be wondering why, why we're, whoa, Hey, we, we need to put that one in the, uh, in the. What is good? AJ, do we do I still have you?
2: Yeah, sorry. I'm being a terrible co-host here. I was trying to figure out if I could call out, and I apparently figured out that I can call out and screwed up the entire radio show.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was about to... Oh, man. Today's already hitting the skids. Uh, we're three yep. minutes into the show, and if anybody is actually listening, they probably turned us off. The people who are going to tur- tune in on iTunes are going to be like, what the heck are these guys doing? This is all your fault. Yep. You can blame
2: this all on me. Everyone listening, this is all AJ's fault. You can send me hate mail on Twitter. You can send me hate emails. I ruined your Howard, your Howard Week BCI Radio. This is all my fault. <laughs>
1: Well, anyways, the reason why you probably heard the dial tone, we're in the process of uh, we're going to try to get Rich Thompson from the Boston Herald on the air. We're going to try to call out to him and bring him on uh, to talk a little bit about the first game against Maine on Saturday. Boston College, 24-3 to victors over the Black Bears in game one of the 2015 season, uh, a game that, that essentially makes Saturday's game useless because win or lose, Boston College still needs to win five additional games in order to make a bowl game. Um, I, I say useless because that's exactly what it is right now. Boston College uh, would need to finish seven and five if they win their second game over an FCS opponent. Should they lose on Saturday, which to be honest is just not going to happen, uh, they would they would still be able to go to a bowl if they finish six and six. Uh, more than likely, AJ, you know when we when we talk about the, this whole Howard game, and I and I realize that this is not the week. This almost feels like a bye week show for us because. There's not a whole lot to talk about. We'll break down the the performance of the Eagles on Saturday, but that's really where it ends. I mean, what what exactly are we looking for on Saturday against a team that just lost 49 to nothing to Appalachian State? There's not a lot.
2: I think the only thing that you can really look for is improvement over last week. I think if BC went out and blew out Maine, you'd have even more of a what-the-hell-are-we-going-to-be-looking-forward-to kind of moment for this game. But because BC struggled, especially that first half, to score points, I think that, you know, we're looking at a game against Howard where, yes, it doesn't count. It's it's a completely meaningless game right now. But can the offensive line improve? Can Darius Wade, um, you know, hit a few more passes to some of his wide receivers? Can uh, John Hilleman get out of the backfield? I mean, it felt like he was going to hit in the backfield. I know that was more than the offensive line. But to see those incremental steps, and I think that's going to be the big thing for BC.
1: As I mentioned, we'll be joined to talk about Howard because this is something that we do need to break down. This is in unfamiliar territory for us as Boston College fans and, and supporters, uh, which is why we'll bring in Jeff Greenberg, as I mentioned from com. He he writes, he, he covers the UNC Tar Heels, and uh, in 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 his in his kind of travels, UNC is the second ACC team that it's that will play two FCS teams this year. Uh, the Tar Heels will play North Carolina A&T and then play Delaware. And this week they're going to play North Carolina A&T after they played South Carolina in week one. They'll play uh, NCA and T this week, then play Illinois in week three, and then play Delaware in week four. Uh, the big part of it being for the Tar Heels and something that we'll adjust address with Jeff is that they at least have the uh, – the marketing positive of the fact that they did, they did play South Carolina, they played them in Charlotte, neutral site game, um, which is still in their state before 51,000 fans, and they'll play Illinois at home in Chapel Hill. They are playing all of these games in the state of North Carolina where they are immensely popular as a brand and they can get away a little bit with these, two t- with these two games. This is something that, again, we'll talk about with Jeff, whereas Boston College, A.J., cannot get away with these two games, at least from a marketing standpoint. Uh, people, when the schedule came out, were ripping mad. I think there's a, there's a good segment of the population and the populace that have turned around and said, I, I like having this game if only because it'll get the team more reps. And I'm willing to forego my personal desire if it's going to make this team better. But there's still a giant percentage that, simply put, is angry that Howard is the team on the schedule.
2: You know, I think there's validity to both points. And it's all based off of what you see and what you're looking for. I personally, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's only going to make them tougher. They're going to get better if they only play tough teams. I watched Virginia Tech and Ohio State last night, and uh, Michael Brewster, the quarterback for Virginia Tech, got absolutely destroyed. And he's out for, eight what, eight weeks now?
1: Eight weeks, yep.
2: That was with a good offensive line against a good team. BC last week did not have a good offensive line. Wade would have gotten killed. And what would that have done for our program at this point? What would Wade what What good is it for our program if we play Alabama and Wade breaks his ankle and is out for the season and we're stuck trying somebody else? I mean, you never know they could work too, but i I don't know. I think the cost at this point to play a bigger school is higher than the benefit I think maybe you know once the team starts to get you know a little bit you know a little bit more mature games like next year the year after that, I think you could definitely start to to schedule those types of opponents. But where they're at right now, we saw it on Saturday. They were not ready for a team like that, for a team like Alabama or Ohio State or a top 25 team. They just weren't there.
1: Absolutely, I agree. And, and you know, there's a part of me that, that does agree with a lot of people that says, why couldn't they, they schedule a team like Texas San Antonio or or look for a team like a Hawaii or or Florida International, a team that is a non-Power 5 team, that would would get you over that hump, so you only have to play one of these games, but you know there's the other side of it, which is the money side of it and this is a This is a common trend that i guess that I guess we talk about with Boston college is that the athletic department i made made four hundred thousand dollars for that game last week. Um, it's on the lower end of some of what these teams are making. If you think about UMass's payday from a school like Notre Dame and, and realize that, that Notre Dame um, makes it a little bit more or the contract makes it a little bit steeper um, because Notre Dame is, is an independent. But Penn State last year, I believe it was, or or either it's last year or this year, I think it was last year they played UMass, Penn State paid $850,000 to get UMass to go to to, to Beaver Stadium. In the pay-to-play games, Wisconsin paid UMass $900,000. They're going to make a million dollars off Notre Dame for their game this year, and next year's game is going to be $1.25 million from Florida. When we're talking about Boston College, and you're only able to pay $400,000 or $500,000, you know what? I agree with the fact that you maybe need to pony up some money, but the fact is is that this is another sign that the money simply isn't there for Boston College to go out and spend $1.25 million to get some crappy team that's an FBS team into Chestnut Hill to destroy them. Right,
2: yeah. You Can you imagine, I mean, there's an uproar right now about us playing Howard and again I'm not going to disagree with them everyone's entitled to their opinion about this and I think again there's both sides of the coin of this however how much of Dan I'll ask you how much less uproar will there be next year if we schedule Indiana if we schedule Purdue if we schedule I don't even know Vanderbilt uh, or a lower FBS school people are still going to bitch and moan about it right
1: oh absolutely
2: and you're going to hear, why don't we get the big schools? Why are we getting these schools? So it's kind of a no-win situation unless unless we can get – I mean, the options for next year are so limited anyways, and that's that's on the administrative administration for not jumping off on that. But right now the options are going to be Stanford and then probably some of the lesser Big Ten teams. That's it. That's all I got.
1: Yeah, and 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 it's 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 an interesting, uh, like I said, it's an interesting dynamic. It's something that we're going to attempt to to digest, to break down the positives, the negatives from a Boston College standpoint, from a college football standpoint, because there are other teams that are dealing with this, especially in terms of, like I said, North Carolina is a perfect example. They have two teams, South Carolina and Illinois, but two FCS teams. So we'll leave that a little bit later. We'll get when we get into this. Um, and what we'll get into with, with kind of this show is we also want to break down the main game. We also want to talk to uh, – we also want to talk about the main Black Bears and in, in the Boston College Eagles, how that game went. 24-3, to 3, we barely talked about it. AJ, it was a good first sample. There's a lot for BC to work on, but at the same time, it's a good first sample for the Eagles in game one.
2: Yeah, I think they got a good example of – you know, I – I was hoping, and I think Adazio said it himself after the game, he now has game film that he can start to fix those errors. And the biggest errors that we saw were on the offensive line. There were lots of misblown coverages. There was lots of, you know, poor little things here and there, especially in the first half that I think really kind of bit BC in the butt. But, you know, I'm going to go back to this all the time. I think the biggest issue BC has is that offensive line right now but I think it's also the biggest strength BC has because Adazio can fix that. That's the one thing that he's strongest at fixing, and I feel confident. And As I saw it in the second half, you know, they wore main down, and you're not going to get that against Florida State, but the technique was getting better, and the confidence was starting to get there, and I think we're going to see that this week. We're going to see that offensive line hopefully start to gel even more and get ourselves in the position that we need to be before we play on Florida uh, Florida State on, on Friday.
1: Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, th- this game I I I believe when it comes to Boston College and it comes to the grander scheme of the uh of the season that the Eagles are, you know, a a good team in the making. I, I feel like I, I feel like exactly what I said about them uh, you know, on on Mark Rogers TV. I don't think Boston College is going to win the Atlantic Division. Um the, I don't believe that they're going to be a team that that comes out and dominates any particular team outside of the Syracuses maybe of the world. But I do believe they're a team that that is in the making of defeating opponents. They're going to be a team that ruins somebody's season, whether it's Clemson, whether it's Louisville, uh, whether it's it's, uh, Florida State. They're going to beat somebody, and they're going to cost somebody the division come the end of the season because we can see the seeds being sown of this of this team having that that kind of that not not mystique because they don't have that yet but we can see that starting to come together at least through the first game we're gonna turn things over here we got the we got the call coming in we uh, we as we had earlier I, like, it, it, thanks a lot AJ by the way for for putting a dial tone in my hey! ear on, my, on yeah that was that was a fine moment uh, but we're gonna we're gonna welcome into our show having him call in uh, Mr Rich Thompson from the Boston Herald Rich. Thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday My night. Taking some time out to uh, to jump on with us.
0: My pleasure. How are you guys doing tonight?
1: Hey, Great, it's, thanks, uh, thanks. it's 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 it, it, football season's underway. What could what else could we ask for, right?
0: Absolutely. You should have seen it today at Shea Field. It was uh, it was already in the nineties uh, in the morning session, and and uh, all the coaches were cranky. I mean, they were screaming and dropping bombs and. It was just, a, and of course Tuesday is always the stuff uh, that's practice. That he calls it Bloody Tuesday, and he really, uh, I think, whatever frustrations he had from that main game, he took it out on the boys today. It was, it was one hell of a practice to watch, I'll tell you.
1: Well, we, uh, I know, AJ and I kind of uh, digested it during the during the weekend, and I guess uh, as the days have gone on into and, and Tuesday, we feel a little bit better about what we saw on Saturday, but. You know, when you look at the team, I think Coach Adazio said it best, Rich. They did some things well and they did some things not so well. Uh, I know you were you were watching it from up there in the press box. What was your take on it?
0: Uh yeah, I think the term he used was garbagey. But uh no, it it there were some things I I'm telling you that they have an ACC component front seven on defense. I think I think that they that front seven on defense could play with anybody in the league. And uh, I was very impressed with that. Five sacks. I believe it was 12 quarterback hits. Held them to, to minimal yardage. Uh, most of their plays were on that one drive. Most of their yards and plays were on that one drive. So I think defensively they're pretty solid. I don't think the secondary was tested enough in that game because the quarterback, the poor kid couldn't. He was just throwing the spots on the field. He didn't have time to, to look for his receivers downfield. So the secondary is still, I'm still a little out on them. We'll learn a lot more about them at Florida State. But defensively, I think that's what's going to keep them in games until the offense comes around. that That's my impression right now. I think the defense is good. The offense is a work in progress.
1: This is BCI's radio show. Pardon the BC interruption. You can tune in every Tuesday at 8 p.m. We're talking live with Rich Thompson from the Boston Herald, uh, taking some time out to... Uh, to uh, jump on with us, he covers the Eagles all season long as part of uh, one of Boston's two major uh, major, major media outlets. Though so I, I confess, I'm a Herald guy, uh, Herald guy myself. I always have been. Uh, <laughs> Rich, uh, when you look at this offense, uh, the offensive line came a little bit under fire uh, with some of the things that happened over the course of the game. Um, I know John Hilleman, who is supposed to be such a, a key component of the Eagle offense. Uh, when you look at his stats, it he was kind of the 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 lame duck who who really took a took some of the beating in the first uh first half with the way that offensive line uh, had failed to gel early on. Yeah, the the
0: problem with the offensive line and you're right Danny, it was the first half thing. They they were having a lot of problems uh Adasio pointed out the the 10 tackles for a loss on on runs that aren't designed for big gains. They were runs that are just designed to get 4 or 5 yards. And that's where they were getting carry, getting hit for a loss. And of course that was when Hillerman was carrying the ball. Once the line kinda of got things settled down and turned around a little bit at halftime and they went with Tyler Rouse more than more than Hillerman, they had just about worn down the main Black Bears and I think that would explain Tyler's I mean, they were phenomenal runs by the kid, I'm not taking that away from him. But I think he was going up against a more worn down defense at that point, um, than John Hilleman was facing in the first half. I'd still say John Hilleman, you're featured back.
1: Rich, uh, this week, uh, you know, everybody seems to already be looking ahead to Florida State. This week, uh, with, with Howard coming in, it's it's an awkward setup, uh, especially for for those of us who cover the team, for those of us who support the team. Uh, you know, it's awkward in the sense that the game, win or lose, they still got to win five the rest of the way to be bowl eligible. It's a mm-hmm. it's an opponent that we that we assume Boston College is going to blow out of the water on Saturday. Um, What are the expectations on the field for them to come out on Saturday against what everybody seems to be talking about them as an inferior opponent, but what's kind of been the attitude? uh, You mentioned today them yelling at the the practice. What's kind of been that attitude uh, towards the Howard game? I think uh, basically, I mean,
0: it was kind of strange uh, on the Monday press conference with Steve Adazio. It doesn't matter who they're playing. He's praising that opposing team to the hilt. And it was really strange because he didn't say anything about Howard. He just said, oh, yeah, we're going to play them. You know, we respect them. And that that was it. So I think they understand. I mean, they just got pasted by Appalachian State. I believe it was 49 to nothing. And then Olive was telling me this morning that two of their best defensive linemen were hurt in the game. So, you know, I, I just don't think it's going to be much more than a scrimmage. I'm hoping the coach doesn't play the first unit for more than the half if they get one of those, you know, 35 to nothing leads. Put the other units in and, and rest everybody up for Florida State because you remember it's a Friday night game, so you got a short week that that accelerates the whole process. Bloody Tuesday becomes bloody Monday. Uh, no, you know, no day off on Sunday. It really, it really changes the, the equilibrium of the week. So they got to turn it around quick and uh, turn it around quick for Florida State. So I don't I don't expect much from this game. I, I just expect them to go out, take care of business. Don't get anybody hurt and walk off the field, take the W and, and, and just get ready for Florida state.
1: Rich, uh, the two FCS game, uh, people are kind of taking it now with the, with the approach of it's, you know, it gets the team, the reps, they're, they're, they're a little excited just to see the team get the reps in, uh, especially after the way the first game went, but still there, you know, like, like we've all talked the second game of, of, of having it the way that it is with the two FCS opponents. Um, what can BC do to combat that in the future? Combat, maybe make this game a low level FBS opponent, maybe look just to different types of scheduling. What, what types of different thing options are there for them at least to explore so that maybe they don't run into this again in the future.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, contracts are supposed to be sacred and, and uh, New Mexico state just, just pulled the plug on it. And now on defense of them, they were going into a new league and, and conflicts came up and, They had to satisfy the new league as opposed to a non-league opponent like BC. Uh, Steve Adazio was pretty adamant about playing an FCS, at least one FCS team every year, preferably at the start of the season or, or, you know, early. And um, just, just because it counts in the schedule, it's a good way to get, you know, to get your team you know, get a look at your team before you have to play somebody in the ACC or one of the quality non-league opponents. As far as, you know, I mean, I don't know what to do. You sign a contract with a school and you go out there and you play them. You're expecting them to come back and play you and they don't show up. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what you can do about that, you know, other than just, you know, take take the fine money. I mean, uh, Brad Bates was put in the position of finding a home September game at the 11th hour. It couldn't have been easy. I don't no, know how a- far he looks, but, I mean, I'm guessing he tried to get a, a BCS game, but, you know, he, he had to take something they had to a slot to fill in the schedule and you had to put something in there.
1: Yep. Oh a- what do you absolutely. think I
0: mean I'm I'm doing all the talking here, right? <laughs> I'd be curious what you guys think.
1: Well, you're 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 my expert. That's where I go from. I've always been on the approach that uh you know I, I'm willing to accept it for a one year thing and I guess uh you know, I, I look at no, I've been comparing to North Carolina and I say, you know, North Carolina does have two FCS opponents, but their other two games are South Carolina, and Illinois, and both of them are essentially at home, uh, so you you can kind of, I guess, balance it, and I think it would maybe be a little more amiable for people if your other home opponents weren't, your other home non-conference opponents weren't, you know, Northern Illinois, and uh, I'm trying to think who the fourth, and, uh, and the fourth non-conference game winds up being Notre Dame at Fenway, yeah. which is... Which is its own animal. So maybe if that Notre Dame game is 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 it is it BC, it's a, it's a little bit of a different story. Uh, but I still think it's a it's a tough narrative because this is a uh, you know, this is a fan base that 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 has its demands and, and they want their demands met.
0: Well, I mean if you, Notre Dame dismantled Texas. Yeah, I mean, they they made Texas look like an FCS opponent. So I, I, if that's your ups <laughs> if that's the upset you're pointing to on the schedule, I. Uh, I suggest you find another one. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, what? actually, gonna, that, I don't know if it was be- for you guys that I did it, but I, I and this was before the kid got hurt last night. Uh, I thought Virginia Tech would be their upset. That was the team I circled for the upset that, that yeah, they think- could beat, and uh, then we'd go into the game underdogs and you know probably short underdogs, but they could go in and win it. And uh, boy, with that quarterback out of the out for what I think six to eight weeks, they might miss him. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, you know,
2: I, I I think it might have been me that picked that one. I yeah, thought, that's, it was know, Virginia Tech. I, yeah, because I think Virginia Tech, it's one of those strength versus strength type of game. I, I've never been blown away by Virginia Tech's offense. And I, as Beamer gets older and older, I just, they, their offense never really strikes me as anything very potent. And I think BC's defense will be able to hold them in. Um, it'll be whether their offense can score against Virginia Tech's defense because that defense is up until like last that. night. But, yeah, but I mean, Ohio State's offense is a, Juggernaut. You can't do anything about that. Um, but I, 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 I think that was me, and I think it's a home game. I think BC could, could definitely hold their own against Virginia Tech, especially with that new quarterback that they had last night. He didn't do much to impress me.
0: Yeah, he just didn't seem to fit in what they wanted to do. I mean, if he was probably the guy they built the offense around, maybe it would look a little different, but they built the offense around the other kid, and they're totally different quarterbacks, and you could just see when he went out there. You know, he looked like he'd been sleeping in the meetings or something because he just yeah. had no clue what was going on with his own guys he kept looking over at definitely the sidelines it
1: was it's definitely like it like wrist like his was in a
0: different language
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well Rich, i'm, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit they got florida state Uh-oh. coming up in, a, in in a couple of weeks is uh is, is should you, know, you i mean florida state they look good in that week in that first week game too with uh, with ever Golson at the uh, at the yeah. quarterback position could they be on upset alert coming into B.C. on a Friday night?
0: I don't think you're going to catch Jimbo uh, sleeping on this one. Their toughest game the year they won the national championship was the game at B.C. And uh, if you remember that game, Chase Reddick uh, just had a phenomenal first half. And they were actually in the lead until right at the end of the half when when Jameis Winston had two bombs and kind of put it away. And then last year, they needed a, an 11th-hour drive to beat B.C. in the rain down at Florida State. So... BC's given them trouble two years in a row. I don't think they're going to come in here with the idea that this is a walkover. I think right. I well, think they'll get. I think BC's going to get their best shot. I really do, especially right. with this I, quarterback I can, I can with, who's out that. there with something to prove. James Winston really didn't have anything to prove. This kid's got to prove he belongs at Florida State. He was worth the risk and worth worth going after. So I, I really believe you're going to get Florida State's best shot
1: my my last my last question for you is uh is just uh, again going going back to this offense uh what are some of the things we should be should be looking for out of them? I know you mentioned uh at least we talked about this week, but what are some of the progressions that we should look for in so that they hit their stride at least heading into that f s u game yeah
0: they've gotta uh stretch the the passing game a little i mean they're basically running a west coast offense out there uh Darius is keeping the keeping the ball short um the throw of Thad Smith was was a long pass, but it was just because he was so wide open. There was nobody near him. But he pretty much has a. a it's pretty much a short passing game with a power run. And uh, if they can stretch the field a little more, and you know, if this kid Elijah Robinson, uh, Thad Smith, some of the faster guys can can stretch the field a little bit. I think that the offense can be a little more multiple, and they can keep defenses pinned back because right now teams are just going to load nine guys in the box and just try to stop John Hillman. Because he's the weapon that everybody knows is going to get the ball.
1: Well, Rich, we uh, we appreciate you taking some time out of your Tuesday. I'm sure no I'll, uh, I can I can let you I can let you go back to your regularly scheduled Tuesday night and uh, <laughs> yeah. relax on the couch and hopefully take a night off. Maybe just no nights bit. off in
0: football season. No Danny. nights. Come on. Oh, all right. <laughs> no time off. Twenty-four-seven in football
1: season. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Rich. Well, thanks thanks for jumping on with us, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll talk again soon.
0: Okay. Take care, guys. Thanks, care, Rich. Rich.
1: That was Rich Thompson from uh, the Boston Herald joining us here on uh, BCI Radio. Uh, AJ, some before we before we uh, to our to, I know we're waiting on. The, just, there are a lot of very good points to that front seven, who I know we've stalled and and I try maybe to to chop them down a little bit and and say, well, try to poke holes a little bit in it, but you know what, he's got a great point in that the front seven is so good, it'll, we can be so good, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the next week or so.
2: Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, the, the front seven, I, I like the thought that the front seven is going to be what keeps us in games.
1: They're going to be able to, to
2: beat, help BC beat those teams that maybe they may not have a chance to if they didn't have them. I wonder what teams they have enough talent in that front seven to beat and what teams may have too much. So, you know, I, I watched that Notre Dame game, too, and, and they were scary. I don't know if our front seven is enough to keep us in a game like that. Or Clemson. Clemson's going to be another scary team. You know, Mike Williams broke his what, he break his neck or something like that. One of their top wide receivers, I think, yep. broke his neck as know yep. Which is scary itself. Some scary injuries this week, by the way. Anyway, but those <laughs> two teams are two teams that I'm like, looking at our defense, I don't think that strength is enough to win a game, but it, maybe a team like, like we said, Virginia Tech, a team like, I, he didn't say it, but Florida State, I I don't know, I think we could probably hold our own with a team like that. Uh, Northern Illinois, I think those types of teams, it's going to give us a bit of an edge. Duke, another one. I think those are going to be a, a great opportunity for us to actually, you know, hammer in our strength.
1: Well, with that, I'm I'm not even going to respond to you. See, I'm just going to let I'm going to let that marinade in the air for a second and let your point just kind of hang, so that everybody can hang on your hang on your every word, Mr. Black. But with Excellent. that, we'll we'll also go back to the phone lines again. If you want to call in with us, at 646-200-0446, I say it all the time, but let's be honest, you should know it by now. So we'll go to the we'll go back to the phones in uh, keeping this show rolling. We got Jeff Greenberg on the line from down there in North Carolina. He covers the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels for SportsGlutton.com. Jeff, uh, welcome, welcome north of the Mason-Dixon. We're we're talking BC football up here.
3: Hey guys, great to be on.
1: Well, Jeff, uh, we we bring you on for 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 really one one big whale of a discussion that's the elephant in the room at Boston College this week. A second FCS opponent on the schedule, the Eagles taking on the Howard Bison on Saturday. Uh, a week after they beat Maine, it's a situation that you're familiar with this season down in uh, down in Chapel Hill, down in North Carolina. The Tar Heels uh, taking on North Carolina A&T as well as, uh, I believe, Delaware. Yep. it's It's one of
3: those things that gets into the scheduling, and, you know, Boston College and North Carolina aren't the only two teams doing that. Um, I went down and looked through, and, you know, if a lot of the teams in the ACC, if they're not playing two um, FCS schools, they're playing at least one FCS school with a very uh, mild D5 school, I guess you could say. Um, And it's just, you know, I think it's the nature of the beast this day and age right now with needing to get some wins, needing to uh, have some kind of breathing room before you hit the meat of your schedule. Um, Of course, you know, some teams, it's all mixed in between, like North Carolina opened uh, with an FCC team in South Carolina, then they play an FCS team, then they go back and play a Big Ten team in Illinois, then go back and play an FCS team. So it's kind of an odd odd pairing up there, but I know – A lot of these schedules that are made years in advance, some of these second FCS teams are the results of other teams that were on on the docket, either backing out of their contract or, or something along those lines. So I think a lot of the teams have at least one FCS team, and a lot of the times the second one, you know, if you really go and grill the AD about it, it was a scheduling snafu.
1: We're talking with Jeff Greenberg of SportsGlutton.com. dot com. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff G Berg. That's Jeff G Berg, all uh, one word on the Twitter handle. Uh, you can t- you can uh, catch him and his stuff. It's great. I've uh, worked with Jeff on a couple of ACC previews with Mark Rogers TV. So he's he's in the stable of guys who know a lot more about football than I do. That's that's where I'm basing it on. They they make me look good on a week to week basis.
3: That's uh, that might be overselling it, but I, I take it all day long. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when it comes to this FCS FBS thing, uh, you know we it, it's it's a very interesting dynamic. Uh, Boston College, Is the result of New Mexico State breaking the contract at the eleventh hour, uh, but they still have a non-conference schedule that will allow them to at least threaten the the six and six, seven and five, uh, the seven and five that'll at least get them into the bowl game. Given that they're playing Maine and, and Northern Illinois, who's a decent non-power team. Um, and then they have their conference schedule. I, I kind of write off the Notre Dame game this year, but when you look at, at playing teams like South Carolina and Illinois, how much does the two FCS at North Carolina impact their hopes for a bowl game? Does it impact the hopes for a bowl game? Um, are they? Is there a little bit worry that that they might be on the threshold, if not on the wrong
3: side? Yeah, I think you know, particularly with the way the game went down Thursday completely winnable game that they controlled the majority of and let slip away. Um, That one stings, but I I think with the rest of the schedule that a a bowl game is definitely uh, within their expectation. Um, You know, Illinois at home, it's a Big Ten team. It's not an FCS school. You've got to make sure you're, you're not caught in between these FCS games and caught sleeping. I think, honestly, if you ask the players, they wish that Illinois game was this week. You know, coming off of a tough loss, they're ready to go hit somebody, ready to go um, prove themselves again. And, um, you know, if that means an FCS team this week needs to take a beating, it would be welcomed by the fans. But, you know, the the thing that's scary about some of these games like this is you're, you're almost trying to figure out, you know, it's like a preseason game in the NFL you want to make sure you go take care of business and then you kind of get worried about your starters and I'll tell you what after this first weekend of injuries across the country the last thing you want to do is lose anybody important in a time and period in the FCS game that's not important so I, the one thing that stinks about FCS games is i think that's a lot of stress with the coaches is how to balance who plays who doesn't play when to pull the plug when to do all of that, you know, similar, like I said, to you see in some of the NFL preseason games. But um, in terms of the bowl and looking at it, I think right now UNC is is looking at their schedule. Um, you know, they do have the benefit this year of not playing Florida State or Clemson. So they that's a huge, uh, I guess you could say, relief within scheduling for their ACC schedule. That helps where uh, some of the coastal leaders like uh Georgia Tech, Miami, they both play Florida State and Clemson. So that, you know, you've given a a little nudge advantage over to UNC in terms of where they're going to try to pick up wins. So I think right now, you know, I think Coach Fedora said, one game doesn't define a team. You know, if they stay healthy, they have a chance to be really, really good. And I think the team believes that. Uh, I think going on national TV and playing an SEC team that may not be in the top five, top you know, six in the SEC, but you know I always hear these recruiting classes are supposedly important, and that's the school that's always in the top 25. So the talent was there, and UNC was there the whole game. Just let it go at the end.
1: Yeah, defense for UNC only allowing 17 points against South Carolina. That's like a uh, that uh, it's not all Gene Chiswick, but I mean it was fantastic for the Tar Heels uh, defensively. Normally, a game like that last year would end a 44-40 or something like that.
3: Yeah, and I was at the game, and that was one of the things that was really interesting to see is just how they would play, Um, and you're right. I think some of it was experience. Some of it was, um, you know, wanting to come out and and prove that last year isn't the norm, and, uh, you know, and then you add in the scheme and you add in Tizik, and you really go back and look at everything, and the reason they were making plays is they were aligned correctly. They were in the right spots. They were – their technique was good and that's a lot of what you didn't see last year you saw a lot of people out of position so uh, I think someone took 17 points given up I mean they gave up more than seven they averaged giving up 39 points last year and I was on record as saying that if they can just get that average down to 29 they'd win two or three more games so 17 points last year they actually would have gone you know theoretically don't get me wrong this wasn't going to happen but if they would have held every opponent to 17 last year, they'd be 13-0, because typically, didn't show up Thursday, but typically the offense is good for over 20, 30 points. But, so, yeah, first game out of the gates against South Carolina, 17 points, less than 400 yards, just just shy of that, was a good starting point for Gene Chiswick and his defense. Well,
1: 51,664 got to watch the Battle of the Carolinas down in Charlotte. uh the Tar Heels return home this week in the face North Carolina A&T at Memorial Stadium down there in Chapel Hill. Uh, it'll be nice for them to get home, I'm sure, because uh, people people up here forget that Charlotte and Chapel Hill are a little ways apart.
3: Yeah, it's you know you've got about two and a half hour drive. Um, it's kind of right smack in the middle between South Carolina, University of South Carolina, and UNC and um, it is a little different, you know. It's 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 in your home state, but it's still an overnight overnight deal. You go to sleep in a hotel, um, like well, I say, sleep in a hotel for every night. But yeah, you you get on the road, you're going somewhere else. Um, although, I mean, I, I joke, you know, you're talking about 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids. I slept on plenty of couches when I was that age and was able to recuperate just fine. So, I think um, these kids are ready to play anywhere. North Carolina actually this year, I think, plays nine of their games inside the state of North Carolina. So that's kind of a, a another feather in their cap in terms of the scheduling worked out this year. Um, but, yeah, they'll be happy to be home in front of the home crowd. You know, I know it's uh, if you asked a, a typical fan, it would have been neat to have that South Carolina game in Chapel Hill. Um, but I just read today that both schools each got paid $3.2 million for that game, so I understand uh, the thinking behind that.
1: Well, Jeff Greenberg from SportsGlutton.com, thanks for jumping on with us, taking some time out of your Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, since BC doesn't play North Carolina this year, I'll I'll throw you a go heels.
3: Hey, I I feel the same. I hope you uh, absolutely throttle everybody you play in the ACC, particularly NC State.
1: (laughs) Thanks a lot, Jeff. We appreciate you jumping in.
3: Thanks, guys. Have a good night. You too. Take care. That was Jeff Greenberg
1: from sportsglutton.com. Catch him on Twitter at uh Jeff Gberg on the Twitter handle. Um uh, there's a lot I, I, I asked a couple of pointed questions in there, AJL. I won't lie, namely about the neutral site, the attendance, the distance thing, um, and about the different scheduling. Uh, you know, I guess my opinion in the last hour has gone back and forth on the scheduling thing, but we'll get to that in the, in a short while. Let's go back to the main game. Let's go back to the observations. Um, let's go back to a little bit of what Rich was talking about, uh, namely about the offense and the fact that, you know, and, and Jeff even talked about it too. Saturday, you're just hoping for no injuries, play the first maybe quarter and a half to halftime. I want Troy Flutie to throw more passes than Darius Wade on Saturday.
2: I I kind of, you know, I wouldn't care. I don't really care who it's going to be. I just don't want to see Wade in the second half. I, you know, I agree with you. I don't want to see Hillman. I don't know if Jordan Gowans, their true freshman running back, is going to be redshirted this year. I know he's not on the depth chart yet, but I know that didn't really matter last year. Um, but, you know, if BC's up by a good chunk at halftime, I want to, I don't even care if they're up by a good chunk. Put them in anyways. Put Jeff Smith out there. put I want to see Elijah Robinson at wide receiver. Get Tom, Tommy Sweeney at tight end. I mean, get all those backups in there. I want to see these guys play anyways. Let's, let's make it interesting the game doesn't matter let's, let's see some of these kids play and let's make sure that the the starters don't get
1: hurt well there, there's a the, there's another couple parts of this where these schedules that are made uh so far in advance that when you get a game like this and it just rises out of a, a given set of circumstances is that it does feel a little bit like a scrimmage like a preseason game just in the sense that you know I think attendance is going to look like a preseason game. I think it's going to be a a tough thing of which to come out of it. But that first half, if anybody is thinking about that game, is so important to these players' development, Um, especially when you think about the guys on that offensive side. It's going to have to be a confidence boost for that offensive line to push around the Bison defensive line and get these holes open for guys like John Hilleman. Uh, We saw that Tyler Rouse can run between the tackles But I really want to see what happens with John Hilleman bouncing back from a rougher day with his offensive line on uh, Saturday against Maine.
2: Yeah, and I was was glad we talked to Rich too because I'll say the same thing I said about Maine. I don't really know anything about any of the guys on Howard and I don't really care to know anything about them because they're all kind of interchangeable. It sounds kind of elitist to say that, but I don't know and I don't care. But to hear that they're top – two outside defensive ends are hurt. Um, that's big against a guy like Hilliman, especially as we were talking about, or we're going to talk about tomorrow on our banter on the site. You know, BC was trying a lot last week of bouncing those runs outside or doing jet or doing those sweeps with Hilliman, and it wasn't working. If Howard, who has a terrible defense to begin with is already down their top two defenders. Hilliman, we may try that again and see if, you know, some improvement and technique from that offensive line is going to allow them to do, to really push those plays uh, for more positive yards.
1: Well, some of the some of the names to at least look at if you're looking at Howard coming in uh, with the, with the the Bison coming up from the MEAC, uh Greg McGee. I had incorrectly identified as the returning quarterback. I was told that he had actually graduated, but we can chalk that up to the fact that I really had no idea anything of what I was looking at. So I just I, I just, yeah, I, 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 messed that one up. Um, <laughs> uh, but Kalen Johnson is the quarterback for Howard. Um, uh, that's going to be the name that's under center for Howard's sake, playing in the MEAC and playing a tough MEAC schedule. Um, uh, they have a good rivalry with, with Hampton for the battle of the real HU. Um, uh, there's the, the bowl game this year that happens in December where the MEAC champion plays the SWAC champion. I believe it's called the celebration bowl. Uh displaying my vast knowledge of of, uh, FCS football here for you. Um, The two historical Black Division I conferences meet each other for a championship game. Um, It's a $1 million payout per conference. It's a bowl game that's on ESPN. But if you're expecting to compete for that, it's a really big deal for Howard to come into this game and not get hurt either. We talk about the Boston College injuries, but I would feel terrible for Howard if the same thing happened to them because remember who we're talking about here with this front seven improving. If they came in on Saturday, based off of what we saw last Saturday, and faced this Boston College defensive line.
2: Yeah, uh, we saw what happened to Maine's uh, quarterback uh, when Landry lit him up on that play. I, I'm not a big fan of seeing injuries as you know as I get older and I start to watch a little bit about that, some of, some of the long term ramifications. I don't like seeing guys getting hurt. And I and I, I I yeah I I like to see teams get out of, out of the games healthy and I don't want to see a team like Howard who's not physically on the same level as BC get hurt and I don't want to see it ruin the season so I hope that for their safety just BC just pounds them out but doesn't really hurt them.
1: Well, we we could talk about injuries in terms of the ACC. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that this week uh, on BC Interruption. Uh, if you're listening and you'd like to call in, please do so, 646-200-0446. I have a feeling we'll have a substantial amount of people who probably tune in on the archive this week. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about on a Tuesday before the Howard game, after the main game. Uh, With Florida State on the horizon, I'm sure next week we'll have a much more exciting show. Already have a guest lined up for next week, too. We can pump that a little bit. Uh, Brittany Taylor Newman of football.com will join us to uh, talk about the Florida State Seminoles. Um, Again, I've worked with her in the past, and she is a fantastic football columnist and a fantastic Southern football uh, analyst. Uh, I've had the privilege of working with her, so she will be joining us next week to talk about Florida State. AJ, in terms of moving these games around, in terms of talking about these games, I hear a lot that says, why don't we play a game down at Gillette? Why don't we move this game and move it to a neutral site? North Carolina drew 51,000 people to a game two and a half hours away, halfway between them and South Carolina. It was equidistant apart. Boston College drew maybe 30,000 with UMass to that game at Gillette last year, and that was a game that when I say was really just knocked out of the park in terms of marketing, because UMass really hit that one hard to try to appeal to both fan bases, moving a game that gets 29,000 all Boston College fans at home and maybe dividing it by moving it to a place like Gillette, depending on the opponent, I just don't think that's a good idea. I don't think Boston College can do what North Carolina did. Yeah, they don't have the fan
2: base to do that. I mean, as much as our fans think that they're in the same level, we're, we have to prove it, and we need to show up for games. And any any team that you know, go, you know, it's it's not the same as when it was with Flutie. My dad loves to tell me the stories of when um, when Flutie was quarterback. They had to move the games to Foxborough. Um, he says talks to me about that all the time, and I just I can't imagine BC ever getting to that point right now. With with the you know the with satellite television and big screen TVs, pe- you know people are going to hear a game at Fox Bar and say screw it, I'm just going to stay at home. And especially if it's a, ga- a game against a, mar- uh, it's not a game against a marquee opponent. You know if it's a game against UConn or or another local team that's not Holy Cross, whatever, people aren't going to show up for that. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It's got to be if you're going to do Gillette. You've got to get a team that travels. you got to get a team that has a fan base that'll help fill that up because BC fans are not going to
1: do it. Well, two games in that 1984 season were moved to then Sullivan Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. That's the, the Foxborough Stadium, the, the predecessor to Gillette Stadium. Um, for those of you who have never been to a game at Foxborough Stadium, it's a pit. It was a pit, it was disgusting. Um, If you went to a men's room, they didn't have toilets, they had horse troughs. Um, They they had one giant speaker over the diamond vision opposite one of the end zones. It was a it was the work that that didn't work either. It was the worst stadium I have ever been to a game in. At the time, Alumni Stadium only sat 32,000 people. The end zone had not been closed in. So against Western Carolina, they open up and they sell 32,000 seats when they play North Carolina at the, end of the ga- at the end of the month in September, it gets moved to, to Sullivan Stadium. They seat 44,672 against North Carolina. That's a sellout at Boston College right now, 44-5. So that is you know, what you're looking at. Now, again, it's a different time. There's a lot less t- things on TV. Being a televised game, people actually wanted to go to as opposed to w- watching it from home, especially when you consider at the end of the year that BC hosted Syracuse and got 60,000 people down there to, to Sullivan Stadium. So, you know, it was a different time. You know, you can stay home, follow the game on Twitter, follow the game on, uh, on ESPN3 or watch ESPN. Every single game is always televised. Um, whereas back then, I think there was something that if you were on national television, if you were on CBS or if you were on ESPN or you were on ABC, it was a huge deal. People really wanted to go. And the team finished the season number four in the nation. Yeah, I, I that I I
2: wonder if BC would ever get to that point again because we were close to that when we had Matt Ryan, and we were the number two team in the nation in two thousand seven. And our attendance wasn't even close to them. We weren't we were selling pretty close, but I don't remember us selling out games uh, that frequently back then. Um, I don't feel the need that I, I feel like BC can't afford to be moving to neutral sites for games like that at this point. They need every game in Alumni Stadium that they can get.
1: Yeah, and that boils down to a money issue, too, because if you go and you move, you're, you now have to give the stadium a cut, which is what UMass is running into, and you, and you, you minimize your profits. Um, Boston College right now has to maximize their profits. As We're finding out, $400,000 for Maine, UMass is getting $1.25 to go to Florida next year. That's over double what Boston College just paid Maine, and I understand that UMass is an FBS team, but the payouts are about the same. And when you think about the New Mexico State issue with their conference, you also have to think ahead because that UMass game, you got to make sure that UMass wants to come to Chestnut Hill because UMass is desperately trying to get into any conference that will take them. And if they get into a conference, you're going to run into the same problem that you just ran into with New Mexico State. So if it's a money issue... I, I athletics are proving that they that I don't know they, they don't have the money to spend when you get four hundred thousand dollars to Maine and they can barely afford to to upgrade the you know the concessions or whatever it is and, and we're charged up the wazoo for tailgating um you know the the university should probably pony up a little bit more than to athletics that's my soapbox comment yeah I want to jump on that soapbox too you know
2: BC has that ACC money. They should be able to start upgrading some of the the facilities. They should start upgrading the the game experiences. By doing things like that, you're gonna start getting more fans in here. You'll be able to start afford, you know, they, you know, afford those bigger opponents. And in general, I don't know. BC's got the money. I, I see my loan bills that I get. I see my wife's loan bills. They have the money. uh, they should be able to to pony up a little bit to to bring in some of these these opponents, to bring in someone that's going to bring ticket sales in. I don't want to hear that part disgusts me. If they can't do it because of logistical reasons or because a team doesn't want to come to Chestnut Hill, that's one thing. If it's because they don't want to open their purse strings, that's a load of crap. And I don't like hearing that. And I think that Really shows a lack of commitment to athletics, or a phony baloney, you know, commitment to athletics. If they're gonna opportunities, but not open their purse strings because they have the money, they have it's there. They just need to, to to use it.
1: And that's and that's not on and that's not on on Brad Bates or the athletic department. That's on the university as a whole.
2: Oh yeah, no no no, that wasn't on Bates. You know, I I, I think it's easy to blast Bates for things. But if he can't get the money to do what he wants to do, that's not his fault. That's the guys in front of, above him. That's the board of directors. That's the president. That's whoever's in charge of, uh, you know, allotting him the money to make those scheduling changes. Because if he's if he's got those opportunities and they're saying no, I, what am, what's he supposed to do? He can't do. It. He can't just snap his fingers and say f you. I'm going to do what I want. That doesn't work that way. But if it's a money thing, he's got to think they've got to approve it. And if they're not approving it, that's on them. That's not on Brad
1: Bates. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's why, you know, like I said, I, I bring up a couple of things to, to guys like Jeff who have North Carolina, who is a, a license to print money and out of basketball and, and with their relationship with, with the Jordan brand and, and their sponsorships they're they're immensely popular in the state of North Carolina. Um, you know, it is, it is what it is for us up here. Um, so, that's just kind of some of the things that, that we talk about. Now, we're looking ahead to Saturday. I, I've tried this week. I, I'd sworn the last couple of weeks that I was going to break down this game and look at this game and, and treat it like a real game. And I was going to treat Howard like I felt I, I didn't want to take away from the Howard kids. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, they, they're coming up here. They're playing the game. The Boston College kids are playing the game. There's something about playing the game that makes it honorable, that makes me feel like they deserve the recognition. I don't ever want to take away from Howard as an institution. I've been down to Washington, D.C. and seen their campus. Um, i got family that lives near the Howard campus. I've been in the area where where the school is. I love the Howard band. They're one of the most best entertainment, anything you could ever watch. Um, You know, the athletics... They're minimized at a place like Howard. The MEAC does not go to the FCS tournament anymore, uh, as of this year. Uh, You know, it's like the Ivy League in that schools are—they minimize athletics but keep it going, uh, just so they can, you know, have their type of school pride. I don't want to take away from their pride, but let's be honest here: the more and more we get into this game, the harder it gets to just simply break it down. I
2: I'm really struggling with this. You know, I, it's it's not a game that you can make X's and O's and like BC has to do this and they have to do that. I don't even care. As I said earlier, I don't even care who Howard has at this point. And I think a lot. And I, you know, Dan, we're two crazy. You know, we're two of the craziest people about this kind of stuff. We sit there and look at film and 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 research opponents and read about it all day. And the two of us are not even caring. I can't even imagine what the casual fans are feeling.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, we get our we get our diehards who diehards who weigh in on the boards, and um, we get our people who weigh in on Twitter and on Facebook and on FanCred, and and they're 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 awesome. But if you're a family of four, you're you know, if someone offers you a free ticket to this game, I'm sure there are people who just aren't going to take it. And I, I understand that we're kind of crushing this game, but this game is it's it is what it is. It's a preseason game before we move on to FSU.
2: Yep. Basically, that's it. Like, we just want to go out there, see some improvement. I mean, for me, this is, again, my selfish selfishness again, and it makes me sound like an idiot. But I didn't really get to tailgate last week because I had to go to that damn wedding. So this is actually kind of like the opening weekend all over again for me because I actually get to have a tailgate and bring my grill and all that stuff. So that that's a positive I have. But for most other people, it's just like, whatever. I, you know, to make things worse, I looked at the weather and it's not looking very good for
1: Saturday. You know, kind of, i kind of overcast. I was going to say, I distinctly remember looking at the possibility of rain and thinking, uh, not now. But I'll, I'll say this I can actually tell you that I remember the only game that I skipped because the weather looked like crap. And I distinctly remember what it was. It was October 28th, 2006. And I still have the ticket stuff because. It's the only time in twenty six years of having season tickets that my dad said I'm not going on Saturday. It was the num- It was when Boston College beat Buffalo and they beat him like forty five. or oh, god!
2: I thought you were going to say that game because I I went. We didn't have a tailgate. I went with my then girlfriend, now my wife, and we wore like uh, that like quick dry stuff, and I got
1: yep. soaked.
2: Like everything I wore. It rained right through it. There must have been like 800 people in that stadium because it was Buffalo. It was awful. It was one of the worst games I've ever been to. You <laughs> and when um, you said that, what? you said that? that it was a game. When you said it was a game that you didn't go to because it was predicting rain, I automatically went to my brain. I go, he's gonna talk about Buffalo. <laughs>
1: Oh, I'll go one bigger than that. I'll go back to 1995. You ready for this one? This is what I yep. remember. It was the first time that we had more people in my family at the game than just our regular season tickets. We got a couple of extra tickets for a 19- game in 1995, and it absolutely poured. And don't forget, the 95 Eagles were a bad football team. They finished 4-8. and eight. They lost, like, 5 out of 6. Uh, they got smushed by Ohio State in that kickoff classic and never even sniffed the rankings the rest of the season. I remember two games that season. Number one was the fact that the game against Michigan was on my birthday, and it was at 7 o'clock at night on national TV. Michigan was number 10 in the country, and BC actually played them tough and then lost Um, 23-13. I'm looking at the box score, which is why I remember that. October 21st, 1995, Boston College played Army. I don't even know if I, do you even remember this game? Yeah, I don't think I don't know that you would re, that you remember this game either. No, it, it was a little bit before I got into football. It was forty-two to nothing at halftime. Army was leading, and BC lost forty-nine to seven. <laughs> that sounds that even was worse a bad the day. Lost, uh, oh yeah, that was that was a bad year. That was that was when you had uh. Well, the 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 team wasn't bad. You had uh, Omari Walker, Mike Cloud, Justice Smith, and all those guys, but poor Mark Hartzell just shouldn't have been starting a quarterback. Anyways, I'm killing time now, but uh, yeah, I mean this this has probably been uh, if you remember our show last year, leading into a bye week, we had a terrible show. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say our guests were better than us tonight.
2: Yeah, it's you know I, I think we're both in uh, preseason scrimmage mode right now, Dan. Because I, I, at least me like. I'm going to get back into to prime form next week when I know I've watched two games of Florida State. I've watched two games of Northern Illinois. I can tell you what they're going to do. I can tell you what their style is. It's really hard to spin my wheels against Howard. I have no clue what offensive style they play. I don't you know, it's I can't really dissect where BC's strengths are against Howards or where BC's strengths are against Maine. It's just not there. So I think next week I'll You know, we'll get more callers because people are going to care more. We'll have more information. It'll be a much more robust show for us.
1: Yeah, and this gets to be my first time being on the air for Florida State since I, uh, you know, angered FSU Twitter last year.
2: Yeah, I think I had a ton of callers last week, last year. I I think I run it with Joe or Brian. I forget who my co-host was, but... I had some co-hosts, and I you
1: left me in charge of those wheels. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Shocked me to show to come back to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, I guess we'll send this one into the night. Uh, I'm sorry we don't have anything better. I do thank Rich and, and Jeff for jumping on with us. They they carried us this week, but uh, you know it's it, it's a tough draw. It's a tough call, and this is a this is a tough thing for for us to discuss. We're trying to do the best we can this week. I think we've accepted it this week, but please, for the love of God, don't let this happen next year.
2: Yeah. Um, You know, I I think, I hope the administration sees how upset BC fans are. I I saw something online today that made me wonder if they don't, but I hope they do because this can't happen every year. Once is okay, and I can give them a pass, and – say it's a strategic thing that they did, but if they cannot again I'll say this again if they cannot put together a complete two thousand and sixteen schedule that doesn't include two f c s schools with a junior Darius Wade a junior John hillman, a senior miles willis and a good defensive line, that is bad there is no excuse they they need b c is going to be in a good spot next year they need to get some good opponent a good opponent and they're wasting time right now and i want to see them fix that and to you know wave us off with you know posts on on bc eagles about how great it was to see everybody it feels a little dismissive and i'm being a little veiled right now because i don't want to you know be rude but i want to see i want to see them understand where we are as fans where we are as writers that cover this that we don't want to see this happen again next year
1: Yep, I, I think that is the uh that is the the, the point to make, uh, is that uh, you know, we'll we'll deal with it, but please don't let this happen next year. And and like I said, I do not blame Brad Bates. I think he was put, like Rich said, into the eleventh hour. I blame upper administration for if this was fixable not doing enough to fix it. I don't think they've done enough to fix it and I don't think that is on Brad Bates. I think that is on the university itself to To open up the checkbook a little bit and uh, and, and pour some money into athletics because this is a really great thing that you have, and this is a great ambassador for the university, this athletics program. You have a bunch of kids that are busting their ass for the Boston College brand. You have a bunch of great coaches who are recruiting and doing a great job representing that brand. And if you're not supporting them the way that you should, then that's shame on the university because this is – not something that we should have happen year after year be, if it's avoidable. I could be wrong, but you know, judging from, from what we, we looked at with New Mexico State to the, the nine-game schedule that didn't materialize, I think this year it was unavoidable. In the future, it's going to be avoidable, and if it's not avoidable, then that's on the university because we know the numbers. $1.25 million is paid to UMass. Four hundred thousand was paid to Maine.
2: Yep, and I and with 2016 looking ahead, they they have they they have to see what's coming up. They have to be able to to plan ahead. That's what they're being paid the big money for, and the university needs to understand that if they want to have an ACC level program, they need to to buck that up. And I don't know how they make that seen and how they make that felt. Um, I disagree wholeheartedly with the people that say that you should just stop showing up to BC football games. We did that with Spaz. It did nothing. Um, But they need to understand that that's going to be something that they're going to need to do if they want to make this program take, uh, allow this program to take that next step.
1: Yep, and and more importantly, not showing up to the games discredits what they're putting in on the field, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to discredit what they're putting in on the field.
2: Yeah, you know, I cover recruiting a lot and I've said it a million times, and people don't get it. The recruits don't they, – they care who you're playing against, but they, they – all the, what they see, they're kids. They turn around and they see empty stands. That's what they see. They don't see, oh, they're playing Maine, they're playing Howard. They turn around and say, holy crap, no one's at this game. So when you don't show up to a, a football game, they're going to notice that more than you not showing up to the game. I mean, than you uh, – you know what I mean. Who they're yep. playing against, yep. and I think that's the, the the key that you want. You want those elite recruits here. You want those big guys to come to BC. Don't I don't give a crap who they're playing against. Show up.
1: Sorry. Yep. That and Rams. Yeah. And ran. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll end this one. We'll we'll just we'll we'll end this out, and you know we'll say it. Uh, you know, show up on Saturday if it's only for the beginning to to see what BC has in store to see what BC can do and uh if if nothing else to recognize the hard work that the coaches that the the players all put in and and to recognize that there's an opponent that that's coming up here to play a football game. Uh maybe they understand that they're a paycheck game um and you know they just lost to Appy State 49 to nothing. I'm sure they those players understand that this is a tough this is a tough draw for them. Think of them too and support it even show up and support them. Show that you're a classy fan base. Show that you you can do it and do it right. Because let me tell you something, they could easily have gone to Virginia Tech and 75,000 people would have shown up there. So do the right thing, and Boston College hopefully will do the right thing next year. We'll send this one into the AJ, any final thoughts, any last predictions before Saturday? Um, I
2: am, as I said earlier, I want to see the quarterback play. I want to see a bunch of quarterbacks play because I want to see what each of them is going to be able to do. So hopefully on on Saturday we get to see maybe all three of them play, Jeff Smith, Troy Flutie, and Wade. So I, and I think that might be something to look forward to on Saturday. And, um, yeah, hopefully the, bo- the video boards are working and they got their flags up finally. So um, that's it.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, he's A.J. Black. I'm Dan Rubin. We'll be back next week on Tuesday to talk about the Florida State game. Boston College takes on Florida State next week. Before then, Boston College takes on Howard in their second FBS-FCS matchup this season uh, on Saturday at uh, midday, 1 o'clock kickoff. That game to be televised on ESPN3. And then, as I mentioned, next week is the big one, so tune in next Tuesday at 8 p.m., where we will break down the Eagles and Seminoles along with good friend of the program, Brittany Taylor Newman from football.com. Big thanks to Jeff Greenberg of sportsglutton.com and Rich Thompson of the Boston Herald for uh, jumping on with us tonight. And, uh, A.J., only one last order of business. and That's to send this one into the evening. What do you think?
2: All right, man. Go Eagles.
1: Go Eagles. We'll talk to you next week, folks.